Humanity has an age-old obsession with the end of the world. That obsession is why we're here, as explorers. You're one of the first people to set foot in this dark new world. And you're about to start on a journey you'll never forget. It's been a long time coming, but Ashtails is back in business in every possible sense of the word. Hopefully, it was worth the wait, because over the coming weeks, we have a ton in store. Starting today, there are brand new podcast episodes, each designed as 20-minute snapshots of life at the end of the world. There are brand new short stories from a whole host of talented writers. There are new blog posts looking at the greatest books, movies and games the post-apocalypse has to offer. And something I'm particularly excited about, there's a brand new newsletter as well. But for now, you've waited long enough and it's time for a story. Today, we're exploring a world racked by rain and flood water, overgrown and unrecognisable. Set hundreds of years after the downfall of civilization, we're following a mysterious order known as the Green Priests as they investigate a mysterious disappearance and try to quell a dangerous insurrection in the process. So, without any more delay, this is episode 6 of Ash Tales, and this is The Green Priest. Chains and ropes creaked on the other side of the great gate. Beyond, Grade could hear the sound of life and livestock mingling with the rain. He could hear the squawk of poultry and the sound of children laughing and splashing through puddles. They were watched from two small towers on either side of the gate by a handful of guardsmen. Grade supposed they were guardsmen, but beneath their broad hoods and patchwork raiment of plastic sheeting, they could just as easily be guards' women. Do you ever get used to it? the boy asked. Grade understood the question, raised his gaze to meet that of the nearest guard. The man's hands were wrapped tight around a spear, his fingers tapping out a nervous rhythm. The guardsman held his gaze for a moment, before shifting his weight to spit over the edge of the watchtower. No, I don't suppose you do. But you learn to embrace it. Those stairs are the only real protection we have. Well, those stairs, and your gun. The boy beamed as he said the word. Loud curses and grunts sounded from the tower to their left, and with a shudder, the gate began to swing apart. Faster, the boy called out. You've made us wait long enough. When the gap had widened, they saw a group of people waiting for them on the other side of the fence. The band was led by a large, stout man with a shaved head and a jet-black beard and forearms as thick as any he'd ever seen. He was unarmed, yet standing in the centre of the footway, the rain splashing off his head and pouring from the coarse tangles of his beard, he looked more fierce and dangerous than the rest of his party combined, armed as they were with spears and clubs and crude wooden shivs. The boy went to take a step forward, but Grade blocked his path with his staff. We wait, he said. After a moment, the man at the head of the party walked out to meet them. He stopped a full ten feet short of Graydon the boy, 
meeting the eyes of each in turn. I'll suppose you're here about the priest, the man said. You'd best come in. Once again, the boy went to walk towards the gate, but Grade left his staff planted firmly in the mud at the boy's feet. You're Bonero, Grade said. The man tensed at the sound of his name, but quickly mastered himself. Aye, Bonero. I'll suppose the priest told you that. That there's Pike, and Surden, and Clare. Littland's Green, and Tallin's Ashton. We've not to hide from you here, much less our names. So if it please you, I'd like to get inside. As they walked through the settlement, the boy was bubbling over with enthusiasm. She scared him. I could see it in his eyes, a man as big as him, and he was scared. How did you do that? With just his name. The boy hesitated for a second, before sidling closer to Grade and lowering his voice. Did you use your magic? Grade stopped dead in his tracks, turning to face the boy with a suddenness that made him yelp in surprise. If I ever hear you use that word again, I'll build a pyre right here in the centre of the street. I'll tie you to it with thick, heavy rope and light the green fire under your feet to make an offering of you. Colour drained from the boy's face, and all he could muster in response was a slow, shuddering shake of the head. Grey continued down the footway, and the boy fell in close beside him. Grey took no pleasure in scaring him so, but it wouldn't do for any of the passers-by to overhear talk of magic. They were made welcome in a shallow cavern, fronted with a huge lean-to of wooden planks and rusted metal sheeting. Grade made note of the presence of guards, the two men Bonero had called Surdin and Pike, standing sentry even here, safe within the perimeter of the settlement. The cavern was well lit within, and rows of benches had been arranged in front of a low platform. Already, a small crowd was seated and waiting their arrival. Bonero walked up to Graydon the boy. After the priest disappeared, we knew it was only a matter of time until one of you turned up to investigate. Only thing is, we didn't know exactly when that might be. We put aside a few cuts of meat and fish, even some ale, but it'll take a few moments to get everything ready for you. Grade had disliked the guards, and disliked the crowd of settlers, but the way in which Bonero was conducting himself now escalated his concerns. Green priests were always met with suspicion and fear. Grade needed that distance to conduct his work, but in a single, well-meaning gesture, Bonero had lowered the priest to the status of the townsfolk. It may have been a simple oversight on Bonero's part, but Grade didn't think so. The settlement looked nothing like the disorganised, fragmented community Race had described in the reports he'd radioed in. Could Race have underestimated them? Fitting fair for a gathering of settlers, no doubt, but I fear you've wasted your time. Priests of the Green need no sustenance but the rain. Your own priest should have made that clear to you. Show me to where he lived, and I'll leave you to your meal. The boy's disappointment was apparent, but Bonero seemed unsurprised by Grey's response, and didn't even try to dissuade him from leaving. Oh, Race made that clear, he did. Now it was Grey's turn to falter. Bonero noticed his hesitation and seized upon it. Oh, you'll excuse me using his name, I hope. Uh, I know we common folk aren't meant to know the priest's names. Only race, <laughs> there I go again, made himself a real part of this community. They exited the cavern in silence, and as they stepped out into the rain, the two guards that had been posted outside fell in behind them, 
Grade's hand slipped, almost subconsciously, down to the pistol holstered at his side. Bonero troubled Grade. The settlements were expressly forbidden from raising one of their own to any position of formal leadership, instead bound to rely on the guidance of the priests. But with race vanished, it had left a power vacuum that Bonero had filled, albeit in a subtle, hard-to-define way. Even with the guards beside him, Grade wasn't worried about the possibility of open conflict. He was the veteran of a dozen fights, and he'd won each with increasing surety. But Bonero stuck him as clever, too clever by half. They walked past the centre of the settlement, with its run-down shacks and thick tarpaulins sheltering the entrances, and turned from the main footway. Here, fewer trees had been felled, and the tangle of branches and thickets helped reassure him. As they disappeared under the canopy, Grade readied himself to ask Bonero about the disappearance. But again, Bonero was a step ahead, venturing the answer before it had even been asked. Nothing suspicious to it, as far as we can tell. Drain drummed on the thick canopy above them. He told us he was moving on. We didn't think to ask him his business because, well, the priest's business is his own. But I will say, we miss his guidance. It wasn't unheard of, Grade knew. Priests were regularly transferred between settlements, others brought back into the green camp. Grade didn't have perfect knowledge of every settlement and every priest, but he knew enough to know that race hadn't been acting on orders. That left the possibility of defection. Occasionally, priests would get the fanciful idea that they'd be better off without their brothers and sisters and strike out on their own. Or the possibility of death. Grade hadn't known Race very well, but the little he'd gleamed of the man through his weekly reports was enough for him to wish that he'd been murdered. No matter how brutal his death, it would be a blessing compared to the end he'd suffer at the hands of the priest hunters. When did he leave? Eighteen nights back, he packed up his things, said a quiet farewell to a few of us, and slipped out into the dark. Race had missed two reports and it had taken Grade and the boy four days to make the settlement. The timelines fitted, and it wouldn't have been the first time a missing priest had simply wandered out into the wilderness. But there was something sinister to Bonero. He'd been able to preempt their arrival, and even their line of questioning. Grade started to question where Race's loyalties had lain. Well, this is where Race rested his head. I don't suppose you'll want us three getting in the way of your investigation, so we'll leave you to it. Bonero raised a broad smile. There's rain enough for the both of you to eat and drink, but should you want some salted pike, some wild garlic, come back over to the cabin. When they were alone, the boy spoke. Couldn't we have joined them? At the meal, I mean, just for a moment. No, and you know why. You needn't have eaten, but I could have. I'm not a green priest, not yet. They can see me eat. No, it's a slippery slope, when I'd wager they've already had race break bread with them. The damned fool. What was he thinking? You could sit with Bonero, keep an eye on him. I don't trust him. The boy's gaze explored the room. What do you think happened to race? I hope he's dead. If he isn't, I have a feeling that Bonero and his men know more about us than they have any right to. If race colluded with them, we're dead. Grade let the boy's words hang in the air, 
before squeezing his shoulder. No, if Race told them about us, about our order, then they're the ones that won't see another morning. Grade's thick jacket had all manner of pouches and compartments sewn into it, and from these he produced two small bars of dark, rich-smelling food. He threw one to the boy. It's no pike, but it's still food. The boy pulled a face, but ate the bar all the same. Race's house had been built by the priests, and it shared the same characteristic hiding places as every other priest hole. He set to searching for anything Race had left behind, while he let the boy prepare for the night ahead, unpacking their thin bedrolls from the pack he carried with him, setting a fire and drying their clothes. Gray checked every beam and board, but turned up nothing. Race's food, his powders and potions, even his radio, all were gone. Gray found himself feeling thankful that priests of Race's rank weren't issued pistols. Nothing. Either Race really did clear out of here, or else Bonero and his boys have scoured this place from ceiling to floor. The boy looked up from unrolling his bedroll. What about outside? Outside? The constant rains and sodden earth made it near impossible to store anything outside, but if Race had considered himself in danger, he may have tried it. Grade reached into his jacket and pulled out a small metallic tube. He offered it to the boy. Do you know how to use this? The boy's mouth broadened into a smile. Yes, or at least I think I do. I mean, are you sure? I'm not supposed to... I'm sure. Just tonight. I have a bad feeling about Bonero and I don't wish to linger here any longer than necessary. Take that and search outside. The boy fumbled with the tube, sliding his hands over it until eventually it clicked, and a beam of red light shone from one end. The boy let out a stunned laugh as he did, before running gleefully out into the wet night. Grade went to resume the boy's chores, lighting the fire in the narrow stone chimney with a handful of dark powder and his flint and steel. The fire instantly roared into life, great green flames licking up the side of the chimney, invigorated by the splashes of rain that made it down the flue. It was then he heard a muffled voice. Grade whirled to face the source of the sound, drawing his pistol as he did. The voice spoke again, this time seeming to come from behind him. As he turned to face the opposite wall, realisation dawned on him. He replaced the pistol in its holster and reached into the depths of his jacket. It was his radio, crackling to life for the first time in 18 days, for the first time since Race had disappeared. Grade, come in. Grade, come in, the radio repeated. The voice sounded familiar, like a strange distortion of the missing priest. Race, is that you? The radio crackled. Oh no, I told you, Race just up and left. It's just me, Bonero. The voice lost Race's familiar lilt as it carried on. Turns out we'd found a few of Race's things stashed away, this radio included. More fool me, it slipped my mind entirely. You're welcome to them, of course, rightly yours, even if Race did leave them with us. We've left them for you in the main hall. There's some pike left for the boy. And for you, if you're feeling hungry. The radio clicked off just as the boy burst through the door, the red light from his torch bouncing all over the room. I found this. There's wild garlic everywhere, but I found a patch of bare earth. The soil was loose and there was this, just under the surface. 
The boy handed Grade a small plastic bag, no bigger than a leaf. Inside it was a torn scrap of paper, the same paper the priests used for their writings. The note was short and scrawled and said only two words. They know. I'm scared, the boy said. Grade knelt in front of him and put a hand on each shoulder. When a priest takes his vows, he denounces fear. He rises above it and becomes more than lesser men. He arms himself with pistol and powder. He arms himself with magic. No man can touch him. Don't feel fear. Feel sadness. These men needn't have died, but they have chosen it for themselves. Grade rose to his feet. He reached into his jacket and produced a dozen bundles of powder, handing them to the boy. Now remember your teaching. A fierce wind whipped the rain into a frenzy as they made their way back towards the hall, and the clouds were so thick that no hint of starlight was visible. Both Grade and the boy were cautious, assessing every shadow and flicker of movement with practiced eyes, but they reached the main cavern unaccosted. From inside they could hear sounds of laughter, raucous calls echoing across the stony walls. A single figure stood guard, someone they didn't recognise. Bonero was inside. Go ahead. The man's voice wavered as he spoke, just slightly. As Grade and the boy drew level with him, Grade paused and looked him in the eyes. He held his stare for the briefest of moments before casting his glance down towards his feet. The main cavern was packed with people, and Grade was little surprised to see that almost all of them were armed. As they pressed further into the throng, a group of men moved into position behind them, closing their retreat. From the corner of his vision, Grade could see the boy's hand shaking. Bonero was on the dais at the back of the cavern, and as Grade drew closer, the crowd hushed to silence. At last, the priest has come to join in our revels. I told you we couldn't resist the salt-crusted pike. A ripple of laughter passed through the crowd. Rice so loved our cooking. He was hesitant at first, but we were just so accommodating. He developed quite a taste for it by the time he left. That and our ale. As Bonero talked, Grade could sense the surrounding press of men draw closer, inch by inch. He was a dear friend to our community and sorely missed. He helped us channel the water away from this cavern, stopped it flooding every few weeks. He helped us grow crops, even in the marshland on the outskirts of the town. And he told us wondrous stories of faith and fervor, of the power and piety of the green priests. Bonero pulled out Race's radio transmitter and held it up for the crowd to see. He taught us much and more of the priests, but there's one thing I couldn't believe no matter how many times I heard him say it. Your... Gun, he called it. Grade indulged the man's curiosity, pulling out the pistol and levelling it at his head. The crowd surged forward but steadied themselves. Why, there it is. Racewood House believed that little trinket could take a man's head clean off. All you had to do was point it at him. Bonero lifted the radio transmitter and with a single movement of his huge, powerful hands crushed it into pieces. Well, it's pointed at me now, and I don't feel any different. If you'd be so kind, priest, I'd like to inspect that for my... A gunshot echoed through the cavern, and Bonero's head exploded into a pulp of viscera. At the same instant, the boy threw handfuls of paper parcels at the feet of the crowd, sending green flames roaring into the press of people.
Time seemed to slow for Grade. With each squeeze of the trigger, another fell, the cavern growing quieter with each lost voice. When he ran out of ammunition, he pulled out his dagger, closing the distance between the panicked guardsmen before they could even raise their weapons to him. The boy was skirting through the panicked crowd, blinding the terrified onlookers with more bright flashes of green light. Soon, the cavern had quieted to silence, and they found themselves alone. Grade mounted the dais and pocketed the remnants of Race's radio, along with a small assortment of vials and powders he found on Bonero's person. When he turned, he saw the boy standing in the centre of the room, shaking violently. Do you feel scared? he asked the boy. He reluctantly met his gaze and Grade could see the sweat dripping through his fine hair. Yes, the boy answered. But why? They all died before they could so much as heft a spear at us. It's not them I'm scared of. Grade bent and took the remainder of his powder parcels from the boy's pockets. Good, he thought to himself. We'll make a priest out of you yet. As they approached the entrance of the cavern, the sound of rain grew louder and louder, and they saw the lone guardsman, still standing at the entrance, seemingly frozen in place. His eyes bulged wide as Grey and the boy approached, and seemed to grow wider still as they walked past him, into the sodden night. We can't... are we just going to leave him? What if he tells other people? Let him tell the story. Did you see his eyes? I suppose I did. Grade smiled at the boy. Remember what I said. That stare is the only real protection we have. That's all from another episode of Ash Tales. But don't despair. In the coming weeks, we have a whole host of brand new stories to share. From action-packed adventures through neo-futuristic Singapore to grizzled tales of chaos, corruption, and cannibalism. Enjoying the stories? Well... Why not get featured? Ash Tales is open for submissions, and your story could end up as the next podcast episode. If you're interested, just check out the show notes for more details. Until next time. <laughs>